Pennsylvania analysis is totally different than the New York analysis. But having come from salvaging a company, it's easier to look at these other opportunities as opportunities. And, and that's where our focus is. So it's not necessarily a state, it's the right opportunity. And that is a partner that needs help from an operations or management point of view that hasn't put themselves in too much debt trouble, but obviously will have some debt. And then the, the numbers just aren't working out like they expected for reasons they either know or they don't know. And that's the trick. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on MJ Bulls, we are joined by Robert Beasley, the CEO of Fluent. Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you could join us on short, short notice. It's in a, For our listeners who are not familiar with Fluent, is a publicly traded multi-state cannabis company with current operations in Pennsylvania, Texas, and Florida. Robert, since you've taken over and joined the team in 2020, your company's really, really taken off. In fact, I, think, I believe now it's your, you're the fastest growing cannabis company in Florida. What changes did you implement to get that kind of growth? Primarily, it was recognizing that a fully integrated vertical license needs balance. The company was tremendously out of balance, not to blame prior management. The entire market focus kind of started in the wrong direction. I consistently would get the question, how many stores do you have? And I would say, well, I'll answer that question for you, but it doesn't really matter, right? Because we're not the gap. We have to grow it to sell it. So really what you should be asking is, what is your production or canopy ratio to your number of stores? The company was in a scenario when I first came on board where it had 20 stores, but only enough product stream to feed those stores with a very limited inventory. And some stores were running out of product by 11, 12 o'clock in the day, and they would stay open till eight. <laughs> so it was a hard, it was a hard time going when you didn't have product to sell. And then secondarily, the product quality of the, of the market in the entire market at that time and the company was fairly mediocre. And so we started with on the other end, we started with production. One, produce more, and two, add a high-quality flower segment. Mm -hmm. And so we built those facilities. We improved production, packaging, manufacturing, processing. And then and only then, when I felt like we had a good stream of product coming, was I able to start going to the other end, which is growing more stores. And now we're, I think we just opened number 29. We have five more to open here before summer. And so we've now turned our growth model to the retail side. And then, of course, almost immediately, we're going to flip back and turn to the production side. It's all about balance. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned a 29th location. Now, is that in Florida? Yeah, it was in Pensacola, Nine Mile Road. It was up in the Panhandle, also an underserved area for Fluent previously. Our footprint was, for reasons I'm not sure, we were very South Florida focused. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we virtually ignored the rest of Florida. And, and so my expansion has been up into the Jacksonville area and then over into the Florida Panhandle. And really good markets in those areas. In fact, Jacksonville now is our best market. Yeah, that's an interesting, it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm a big fan of Sam Walton and some of the other entrepreneurs who who identified some of the smaller, less attractive, like everyone thinks Miami, let's get to Miami. But, you know, why have a bunch of competitors in one market when you can go to Pensacola and own the market or Jacksonville and be, a, and have, you know, have a solid presence there before anybody gets there? That's a, that's a really viable strategy. 
Yeah, store location for the last eight or eight stores and for the next five has been has been critical. You know, I developed a, what I called a hit them where they ain't policy. And we started studying the map. And, you know, in the early days of siting, if you use the blunt instruments of traffic count and population and even socioeconomic data that you'd use for regular retail, you kind of miss it a little bit because we're really serving as a customer base, a subset of the of the overall population. There's 21 million people in Florida. We're only serving 800,000 of them. Mm-hmm. So the real question isn't how many people travel down Maine and Maine during the, any particular day of traffic count. But where are those 800,000 people and, and how are they situated? What is their traffic pattern? And so it took us a little while, but we developed these locator models that, you know, it's kind of drop it in. It gives a location a score based on some criteria. And our last four stores, when they open, they become number one in our system for a matter of days and then they'll, they'll settle in. But that tells me we're hitting an untapped area. You know, every one of those customers at Pensacola Nine Mile Road that just opened, every single customer is a brand new fluid customer because they had, they had not been served previously by our reach. So you're not cannibalizing some of your existing locations. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And there's still plenty of growth in the A markets in Florida. A markets would be considered you know, Orlando and maybe Jacksonville and, and some of South Florida. But Miami is tricky. We were Miami heavy in our store locations early on. And again, probably just using some a little bit of bias probably, and also some fairly blunt population. But Miami has a fairly robust gray market still at this point. It's hard to compete with the street and and Miami still offers, you know, a, a full product offer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sort of the, the home of all the smugglers was Miami, I guess. It'll be a while before that legacy dies out. Now, you mentioned there's a, a group of other stores that are on the docket for this year into the summer. Are those all in Florida as well? Sure. Yeah. As to Florida market, we do have a Texas market and we have a store opening in Houston, but just sticking in Florida for a minute, we have Jacksonville. I told you Jacksonville was our best market. We have two stores there and we're about to open a, the very next store we open, I think, which is going to be in about less than 30 days will be Jacksonville Cassatt Boulevard. You know, people, people only travel so far in their daily zone of circulation and it all has to do with where they shop, where they go yeah. to school, where they work and also what that allows you to do. And so studying the sub sub markets is, is critical to understanding how to locate a store. Then we're going to come back over to the panhandle and open a store in Crestview, Florida. Crestview is kind of a sleeper. There's, there's no competition there, but yet it's, it's a tremendous military. It's both active and retired. Retired military is a huge product consumer for us. There's a lot of products we offer that that really cater to that retired military consumer. And we'll come back to Pensacola for Chase Street, which is downtown Pensacola, right next to the Civic Center. And uh, hopefully that's uh, going to be one of our first almost kind of recreational formatted stores, even though we're not recreational or adult use in Florida. It's a larger store kind of built around as an event center. So those are the next couple stores that are that are slated to open. And they're all in in stages of construction. You, you mentioned there's one going to be in Houston. And we, as we, when we opened up the show, we talked about you, you have a presence in Pennsylvania. Are, are there any other states that might be on your radar for future growth? Sure. You know, we're, we're in an interesting stage now. You know, this company was not doing well. It had, it had become overly extended. I, I like to say it was a hundred miles wide and one inch deep when I got here. And I had to grow by contraction. And what I did was I cut off a lot of projects, a lot of licenses, Puerto Rico, and we were in Michigan for a year and the Michigan regulatory environment wouldn't allow us to be successful. So we cut that down. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we focused on our core. 
well, now that our core is strong and our foundation is good, we're cash flow positive. We don't, we don't have any extended payables. We paid our taxes. We're in good shape. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're more interesting from an M&A perspective of those operators in states that we're, we're kind of in the situation we are in. We're starting to get approached by growers in Pennsylvania. We're talking about Ohio growers. We're talking about, of course, the New York, New Jersey thing's a little confusing, a little hard to figure out, but there's a lot of approaches. And these are companies coming to us and they say, look, we caught the bus. We have a license or we've built a facility or we've done something to move forward. And now the economics have fallen out from under us. And we basically need you to bring in your management expertise, bring in your efficiencies. And, and those are great opportunities for us because we've already been there. We basically put this train back on the tracks and put the fire out and we're able to rebuild essentially a, a, a company that was not in very good shape. And so now understanding how you went wrong and how to go wrong, which is different in some states. I can tell you the Pennsylvania analysis is totally different than the New York analysis. But having come from salvaging a company, it's easier to look at these other opportunities as opportunities. And and that's where our focus is. So it's not necessarily a state. It's the right opportunity. And that is a partner that needs help from an operations or management point of view that hasn't put themselves in too much debt trouble, but obviously will have some debt. And then the, the numbers just aren't working out like they expected. Well, in this industry right now is sort of in a little bit of a downturn. And so you are positioned perfectly to take advantage of it in not a bad way, but to help out companies that need assistance and to maybe it's not, it makes sense to be part of a larger organization and working as a team versus trying to forge their way through just because they have a license. They feel like they have to get to the finish line on their own. It may not make sense anymore. I think that's a really good opportunity. I mentioned early when we started that you're a publicly traded company. And so for our listeners who are interested in this type of an investment, there are very few companies right now that I've interviewed over the last, say, six months that are really growing. Most of the companies I'm talking to are sort of pausing and, and, and trying to keep close to the vest to get through you know, a little bit of a downturn. You're one of the few that has actually righted the ship before you needed to right the ship and now are in a position to grow, which is, which is inspirational to those potential investors. What would you say to them about the future of, of, of Fluent in your organization? Again, we're experiencing tremendous growth among our peers. I think a lot of the, a lot of the reasons are what you just said. We studied efficiencies. We studied how to do it with less we also weren't in a position to take advantage of some of the really fantastic debt offerings and sale leaseback offerings and all of the things that were being passed around like very expensive candy. And now is coming to, to roost because the economics are starting to decrease with margin compression and so forth. And, and, and these $60 million facilities on a sale leaseback aren't supported anymore. Yeah. We didn't get ourselves in any of those troubles. It's kind of like when I missed the condo boom back in the, in the early 2000s. I just missed it. But then again, I, did, I wasn't stuck with 10 condos either. And so we, we weren't in a position to take advantage of the gold rush in lots of ways because we were looking at our feet with a shovel in hand trying to get out of the fix. We are, we're going to post up some great Q4 numbers. Truthfully, January was a little bit of a slump for us for reasons we're, we're still trying to sort out. But we're still going to realize the benefit of our production capability. If you look at our capability in Florida... We put two new facilities online last year. One of them only produced one crop in 22. And so it has a whole year yet of production to to realize. The other one only produced two crops in 22. 
And then one of our facilities, our high quality flower, got hit by the hurricane and we lost five rooms. It's now recovering and will not and will be in full ramp production back by the end of February. So we need the end of February to be back on our feet, even though we posted a great Q4. And then we're we've got growth ahead of us. So if you look at the raw economics of quarter over quarter growth and even what we're going to push in Q4, it's a no-brainer to invest in this company, whether it's cannabis or otherwise. But the one frustrating thing that we've experienced is the almost complete dislocation of our stock price from our economic performance. Any other company, I believe, if you put up these kind of numbers, people would be piling in. But yet our stock seems to not pay attention at all to what we're doing under the hood or financially. We are clearly more tied to regulatory events, to what's going on in D.C., and basically rumors and superstition, I think, about what's going to happen to cannabis next, which is also a little frustrating to me because if I look at every single possible legislative event, whether it's in one of our states or federally, all of them are good. You know, it's a matter of when. But there's some industries you look at, well, there's going to be new EPA regulations or new OSHA regulations or new new cost driven regulations. But in our case, every possible development is positive. And so the frustration, I think, over the time of development has caused the stock to remain stagnant and even sag. And so we remain subject to very, very low stock prices that have absolutely no correlation to our economic performance. I mean, our market cap at this point is about what we could sell our Texas license for. And so it's a bargain. It's a it's a great buy. I think it is kind of a boiling pot with a lid on it. And one day something's going to happen and it's just going to blow the lid off and we're going to go we're going to go through the roof overnight. So I'm I'm eager for that day. Well, and investors that are listening right now, I know it's not a good time for you, Robert, until that lid blows, but for for anybody that's interested in purchasing stock in a cannabis company that is really well positioned now is probably never going to be a better time. As I've heard many, many times, this industry is not getting smaller. Today's the smallest it's ever going to be. We'll have links to Fluence information in the show notes, including their stock information. So if you want to take a look at it, or if you want to, you know, if you have some questions, I'm sure somebody from Robert's team will be happy to, to answer them for you. Robert, I appreciate you joining us today on the show. I really nice to get to know you and thanks for doing this. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.